So you're an attorney and you've decided to go out on your own. Now what? You need a plan and you're not alone. Join expert host Adriana Linares and her distinguished guests on New Solo. Tune into the lively conversation as they share insights and information about how to successfully run your law firm here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to New Solo on Legal Talk Network. This is Adriana Linares coming to you today from the Clio Cloud Conference in Chicago. Try to say that fast five times. I am a legal technology trainer and consultant. I'm excited to be here at the conference and even more excited to introduce our next guest to you in just a minute. And I want to make sure and take a moment to recognize and thank our sponsor, Solo Practice University. On our last episode, we had Stephanie Kimbrough come on and talk to us about choosing areas of law and areas of practice that are best suited for you and how to do that. That was a great episode and really a good conversation with Stephanie. Today, we're going to have an equally as exciting and awesome conversation with Sam Glover. Sam is the chief and editor of Lawyerist, one of the most interesting, source-filled Top, varied in topics. I think the words you're looking for are totally awesome. Totally awesome works. <laughs> um, it started as a blog, but it's become much more than that. So, Sam, tell us, what is a lawyerist? What are you calling lawyerist these days? I think of it more as an online magazine that, or, or a, uh, maybe even a reference manual for law practice. Maybe like a lifestyle? No, no. <laughs> an online lifestyle for lawyers? It's, uh, we, you know, we call it the Lawyering Survival Guide. And that's our goal, is to make it sort of a, a reference manual for solo and small firm lawyers. And that's great, because you all cover every aspect from technology, marketing, management, ethics, ethics yeah. HR, you do product reviews, you have a slew of lawyers that, and non-lawyers that help bring that content to life. Yep. So tell us a little bit about that. How do you find the lawyers, the writers... You know, it's it's kind of been an organic thing. Uh, we've been doing it for, I don't know, six years now. And um, some of our writers have been with us for a long time, and some of them come and go. And, you know, we're always on the lookout for people with interesting things to say about law practice. So um, lawyers who are trying new things and can put those into compelling words. And, you know, one of the things I like the best about lawyers is you, you guys are not afraid to just tell it like it is. You know, if there's a controversial topic that other writing sources don't want to talk about or people are trying to avoid. I mean, you just go right out and talk about it and discuss the pros and the cons and everything else. So I think it's... We, we have it's a, one hard and fast rule, and that's that we have to be fair to our subject. And, you know, we don't, we don't always meet that goal, but um, if something sucks, then and, and, it, and that's a fair assessment of the product, then that's what we have to write about it. And sometimes that means it's just not even worth publishing. Right. But, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, if it's really terrible, why even write about it? But sometimes people need to know that this is a terrible thing. And so we will say it because that's what needs to be said. You know, somebody has to do it. And I'm happy that I don't have to say it. I can just sometimes point to one of your articles and go, well, <laughs> right. let, let someone else say it. I've got some advice about that here. Yep. Go to the lawyers. Which are, well, that's great. We've got Sam on today because he's going to help us talk about practice management essentials. We're going to ask him some questions about um, software, hardware. I'm going to sort of talk to Sam today like I am a new lawyer and I have the opportunity. Let's say I met Sam at Clio today. Let's do a role play. All right, let's okay, do it. Let's do a I role play. I feel like play. we're role playing anyway. So. Yeah, we're role playing. Now we're like role playing, role playing. 
Perfect. <laughs> so here I am. I'm at the Clio Cloud Conference. I'm a new lawyer. Maybe I picked up Clio. Maybe I just, maybe I don't even have Clio yet. No. But I see, holy moly, it's Sam Glover. <laughs> I'm starstruck and I go, hey, listen, can I buy you a drink? Because I'd really like to ask you a few questions about starting my law practice. Bring and it. Let's so I've say got an old-fashioned in my hand. You've got an old-fashioned in your hand with Perfect. a black cherry. Yep. You just splattered some of it on your favorite hoodie. Yep, which happened last night. Right. Yep. So see, it's not actually role-playing. I'm bringing real life yeah, into it. Yeah, we're bringing it in. All right. And let's say the first question I say to you is, should I get a PC or a Mac? Yeah. I mean, loaded question, obviously. Maybe. Um, I like to challenge my guests. So so let me just... So the, as soon as you recommend either... Everybody accuses you of being a fanboy for that one. And so let me just say, by way of establishing my bona fides, that I was a Windows user forever. Um, I believe that Windows just works just fine. Um, I used to be in an office full of Mac users, and I would always chuckle at them when their systems were breaking and mine was running along just fine. I also used Ubuntu Linux for two years. Whoa, nerd. Um, but I recently converted to Mac. And unlike many people who converted to Mac, I won't sell you on uh, untrue things like Macs are just faster. Right. Um, every time somebody does that, it's because they're trading in a cheap five-year-old PC right. for a brand new Mac. So, of yeah. course, it's faster. Okay, so all of that said, I, so I am a Mac user now. I'm pretty much across the board a Mac user, um, and I'm happy with it, but I'll probably go back to Windows or Linux in another couple of years because I just get bored. Um, so that's, those are my bona fides. Uh, I have been recommending for years that uh, if, if you are starting from scratch, you should probably get a Mac. Uh, there are some caveats to that. Um, there, is, uh, there is currently no good bankruptcy software for Macs, so you're going to have to run Parallels or Boot Camp. Uh, probably parallels to run bankruptcy software. The same is true for some other things, but um, you, I think it just works more of the time, and it's just way easier. So generally, I would recommend a Mac. Now, if you hate that recommendation, go ahead and get a Windows PC. It's fine, and it kind of doesn't matter. So I would skew towards Mac, but I think it's fine if you want to get a PC because fundamentally it kind of doesn't matter. You can practice law on a Chromebook if you want to. You can make it work. So the important thing is just to get a good computer, and I generally recommend people spend about $2,000 on a laptop or about 1000 1200 bucks on a desktop. Not because you have to spend a particular amount of money, but you should get a good computer that's going to last. Right. Um, I, I don't get think you should Get something good. Basically, right. you're saying get something good. Yes. Okay. And if you spend about $2,000, you will get something good. It's totally pointless to sit here and talk about system requirements and you need this size hard drive and this much memory and... Forget it. Just buy something that costs about 2000 bucks. Okay. And a laptop. And can we also say, if you have never been a Mac user, yes. and you think it's going to be easy to become a, ba- a Mac user, that's not true. Right. It, it and, can be hard. And so, you may hate it. Because right. th- this is the thing, is Windows people who go to Mac are expecting it to act like a Windows right. computer, and it won't. It's not. And I, I experienced the same thing when I switched to Linux for a while. That's just like totally the same thing and, and even harder. You cannot go into a new ecosystem expecting it to behave like the old one. That's right. And um, for our listeners who have never heard of Linux, I would just like to explain that it's something you don't need to hear of. Yeah, just don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> just forget the Linux. <laughs> Sam is an you outlier. Can, yeah. and if let's, you want to practice law on Linux, fine. Talk to me, but it's not Yeah, it's let's not even not bring that into the conversation. Okay, so <laughs> point here is doesn't matter which way you go, Yep. buy something good and Buy something that you're comfortable using. Right. If you have the luxury of time of switching systems, 
and you're going to take the time to learn how to use it and not be frustrated once you've got it, then either side works. Yeah, and the good news is when you're a fairly new solo, you probably have more time than anything else. So it is, it's whatever you pick now is probably what you're going to use for the rest of your law practice. Okay. All right. So you just convinced me to get a PC. Great. So now I've got a PC. (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) And my next question is going to be, how do I have my phones answered? What do I do about a receptionist? Do I need a receptionist? Do I get Skype? Do I just use my iPhone? Uh, As far as phone goes, uh, I think it's fine to just use your iPhone. Um, I actually had used Skype for my business line for years. Um, Then I used Google Voice for my business line. I'm not sure if I think that's a good idea right now because Google's sort of dropping a lot of things and I would hate to have to lose my office number. Sure. Um, uh, But I still think Skype is an okay option. But the only reason I wouldn't use an iPhone is that I'm I'm just... Or an Android. We're just saying your cell phone. I'm sorry, yeah, Yeah, your smartphone or a cell phone. Um, It's just I'm not... I've never liked the idea of giving my clients my cell phone number. So if you're going to use your cell phone, I would use something like Google Voice to forward those calls to your phone number so that you've got a layer on top of it so that if, for example, Google Voice allows me to send everything to voicemail after 7 o'clock, which is a great option. Um, And so I did that. Um, I used, when I was using Google Voice... Um, it was that was the number I gave out to my clients, and it forwarded to my cell phone. But I could just as easily have forwarded it somewhere else. I used Ruby Receptionist for a virtual receptionist, um, and it forwarded to them during the day, and it forwarded to my straight to voicemail in the evenings. Is I think the way I had it set so up. So you had a recipe set up when yeah. phone calls would ring either to Ruby Receptionist or to your Google Voice. Yep. I'll throw in that I use Skype all the time as my business line. And for me, having a separate line is helpful because when the cell phone rings, I can tell, right? Right. If it says it's a Skype number calling, then I know it's probably a client. And it helps me sort of filter the calls out. That's a good point. We should have mentioned, which I forgot to mention, that you were actually and still are a practicing lawyer. So you're not just, you know, some guy who runs some lifestyle magazine online for lawyers. (laughs) Well, I don't practice anymore, (laughs) but I did practice for a decade. Okay, good. So you've got real life experience. All right. So, all right. I've got a PC. I've got Skype. I've got my iPhone to help me. I'm going to think about Ruby Receptionist, which Mm -hmm. is one of our favorite, one of my favorite products out there. And, And I say that because... Of all the products that I recommend to clients, the one that I never get a complaint about... Yeah, no, you probably won't. Ruby and, Receptionist. It, they are amazing. I, I, you should answer your own phone for a while. But, you know, I, I'm terrible at answering the phone when I get an... Because it's always an interruption, right? Sure. So I'm yeah. always, By definition, I'm in the middle of something. Okay. Um, and, and I'm always crabby about being interrupted. And I can't... It's <laughs> no, like you're my, actually just always crabby. <laughs> no, that's true. Now you're being interrupted in the middle of the day. It's even worse. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> and, and so for me, it was just like, it, it was way better. Even though, even though my instructions to Ruby were um, always put the client through to me if they asked for me my name. But because that would go, the Ruby receptionist would call me, and I would have a quick conversation about them. They do a, That's called a warm transfer, right? right? First they call me, and they say, so-and-so is calling. Do you want to talk to them? I've had a chance to transition out of Krabby and prepare myself to talk to a client. Nice. And so, you know, I think the plans start at like 225 or 275 or something, yeah. and it's totally worth it. It's, you should not be answering your own phone once you have an idea of how you want your phone answered. Awesome. All right. So I've got uh, my phone system. I've got my PC. I've got a virtual receptionist. That is not terrible. Do I need a printer and a copier and a scanner? Uh, You need two of those three. Okay. And not the copier. Great. Tell me why. (laughs) You know, so 
you should be going paperless, especially if you're new solo. Every lawyer should be because there's just no question that that's how things work now. But So you don't need a copier because you should be scanning everything, which means it's in your system and you should just print it. A copier is never more efficient than scanning it and then just printing it out. It may feel like it when your client hands you something and you need to make a copy of it right there um, because it takes longer to scan it and copy it than it would to just put in the copier. Uh, But in the long run, you're saving just a ton of time that way. Right. Or you're just scanning it in and putting it in the client file. Right. So maybe you just need less copies. Important consideration, however, this is somewhere where I will give some specs, I guess, is um, a cheap laser printer is not okay. You need a good laser printer. So I I thought cheap was fine. I bought like a $120 Lexmark black and white laser printer. Black and white's fine. But the problem was uh, I had a trial, and I was ready to print everything out, and I was in my office until 3 a.m. printing because of that slow little thing. And so you either need to be prepared and do this as a test run to go to Kinko's or something and do your big print jobs there, or spend four to $600 on a good desktop laser printer that can just shoot out documents. So I bought a... Mine's a, an HP. HP makes rock-solid laser printers. Um, you can. Lots of people like Brother because they're inexpensive, uh, and they're, they're also courses. good printers. Yeah, but I, I you know, I, and I don't really have a great. Um, I don't really have a great recommendation, but I'm very happy with my HP, and uh, and I know they make rock-solid printers, so I think it's a good recommendation. Okay, so so far I've got about twelve to fifteen hundred dollars put into my computer. $60 a year for Skype or for Google Voice, $250 a month if I want something like Ruby Receptionist, which is the Cadillac of receptionists, virtual receptionists, that is, $400 printer. So, so far, I'm not even at $2,000 yet-ish. Yeah. Let's, I think let's, it's a little further than that, but yeah. Okay. We're around, we're under three yeah. so far in our conversation. No, so, I mean, starting a law practice is one of the most cost-effective things you can do. It's relatively cheap. Good. All right, so um, what about something like um, a fax machine? Do I need a fax machine? Oh, no, no. <laughs> Thank you. In fact, I think it's an open question a whether you need question. a fax number at all. Um, you, if you're going to get, if you need faxes, just sign up for Green Fax or eFax or Hello Fax or right. something. Um, most of those are free up to a certain number anyway. Um, but if you want to, you really don't even need to fax. I actually got rid of my fax number about a year or two before I stopped practicing. Right. And I tell lawyers all the time, take your fax number off your letterhead, your business yep. cards, and please don't let me see a fax number in your email signature. Right. I mean, so you're right. If then, you just don't give people the option, they won't use it. Right. Okay. Before we move on to our next segment, we're going to take a quick break to hear a message from our sponsor. Ready to create and build your own solo or small firm practice? Need a nuts and bolts education on the 360 degree experience of starting a business? There is only one online destination dedicated to helping you achieve your goals. Solo Practice University, the only online educational and professional networking community dedicated to lawyers and law students who want to go into practice for themselves. More than 1,000 classes, 58 faculty and mentors, What are you waiting for? Check out solopracticeuniversity.com today. All right, so I don't need a fax machine. What about an internet service in my office? Oh, yeah. I mean, 
I mean, do I need, do I have to pay for business grade internet? Should I get, um, you know, start low? Do I use internet tethered to my iPhone? I think you can do whatever you want, honestly. I think you can just get broadband uh, in your office if you're going to have an office and just get broadband. If you want to tether to your iPhone or you want to buy a little, uh, what do they call those little hockey puck things? Yeah, the air card. You can get one of those. That's fine. Um, I don't think it really matters as long as you have good, reliable internet. Okay. The thing that I would consider doing on top of that is most of us work from coffee shops or at home or, or friends' houses or hotels occasionally. And what's more important, I think, is securing those unsecured wireless access points. Um, because anybody sitting in the room in the coffee shop to that unsecure wireless right. router can snoop what you're doing. Right. And so, it's child's play. So I'm going to have $60 a month on my bill for my MiFi card or my Air card so that, one, I always have internet no matter where I go, and two, I know that it's secure because those connections are encrypted. Or there are uh, uh, some newer services uh, that are uh, secured VPNs. Oh, cool. Um, so I use one called Cloak. It's Mac only and iOS. So when my phone or my laptops are co- my laptop is connected to uh, wireless, Cloak automatically reroutes my signal through a secured VPN. Excellent. So my my own signal coming from my laptop is going through a secure pipeline, and uh, and it's great because I think it's two ninety two ninety nine a month for up to five gigabytes, and then I think it's is that two dollars and ninety nine cents? Yes, two dollars okay. ninety nine cents. I think it's nineteen ninety nine for unlimited data. Oh man! So it's totally okay. worth the the peace of mind of knowing that no matter what dirty Wi Fi I'm connected to, I'm essentially. I'm totally secure, or okay. I'm, I'm as secure as I can make it. I like it. So the reason I'm asking about a good internet connection is because now I'm going to ask you about practice management systems. Yeah. And especially where we are today at the Clio Cloud Conference, one of the things we know is that cloud-based solutions are becoming incredibly reliable, popular. Are they the way to go? Or are they not? So how about this? I've heard about traditional, what I, what I refer to, case management systems, which might require me to get a server or an indexer or a high-powered machine to run it, or it has to run off of my hard drive. So do I consider that, or do I pick something that's cloud-based? And if I'm looking at cloud-based, like, what am I looking at? Uh, I, I think installing local software is a terrible idea uh, for something like this. It's just, it's not... For a variety of reasons. Maintaining your own server is expensive. You don't have the expertise to do it, so you have to hire somebody to do it. And you probably can't afford to hire them full-time so that they can keep it secure all the time. So you're a massive internet security problem waiting to happen. Um, By moving to the cloud, you're going to get better security than you're probably going to be able to afford on your own unless you have a server admin background, in which case maybe go ahead if you're just ambitious and you want to do it. I mean, if if people have special skills, go ahead, right? Right. But if you don't have special skills, use the cloud because it's going to be a better scenario for you. And the software is quite honestly better. I agree. Most of this locally installed practice management software is so old and kludgy and broken and, and just bloated at this point that... It's one of the reasons I started Lawyerist was because I hated Time Matters so much. <laughs> I hope they're I not a sponsor, but um. they're not. And you know, it's funny because I go into a lot of law firms that obviously have what I again refer to as traditional software, and every time I look at it, I think, man, Fred Flintstone was at his peak when he was designing this. Like exactly. this is his finest work right here. I There's look at it and I think, <laughs> Fred was on speed when he designed that interface and it's good. Most of those user interfaces are designed by people who have heard about user interface 
um, from like a Sanskrit translation <laughs> of a UI design. <laughs> And somebody told it to him over a bad cell phone connection in the 1970s, like, or 80s, or whenever cell phones became a thing. I, it's just, they're so horrible to use. I know. And, and you look, like, something like Clio is so much more polished, and it allows you to be more, more productive. It's just so much better. Okay. So, so we're going to say cloud-based is the way to go. And there's a lot of reasons for that. One, no. it's not that expensive. I don't have to worry about maintenance. There's uptime all the time. Um, when an update comes out, I just wake up in the morning and, oh, there's a notification. I've got a new feature, and it's done. Yep. Okay, so cloud-based. Do you need it? No. Like, I think if you if you want to use something else, you can. But, like, I think it's a good idea, and for a couple of reasons. Um, one thing to look for is a secure client portal. Um, oh, good point. Right. Sending an email is like sending a postcard. I say that, and people are like, what? It is. You should not put anything in an email to a client that you wouldn't put in a postcard. And so... Um, and. <laughs> Yeah, so like, would you put your client's social security number on a postcard? Would you put their credit card number on a postcard? No. Would you put your settlement discussions on a postcard? No. So don't put it in an email. Um, so explain what a client portal is, because maybe a lot of people yeah. don't know what that is. So uh, an example is when you, uh, if you want to share a document with a client in Clio, you, um, you do that. You save just like you would with Dropbox or anything else you might have used that includes sharing. So if you want to share it with the client, the client gets an email saying, your lawyer has shared a document with you in Clio Connect, so they have to click and sign into right. Clio Connect in order to get that document. And we can liken that to an example that probably a lot of people are used to. Your financial institutions today, yep. your banks, um, my massive IRA that I have tucked away, they don't send me they actual... They don't um, send you a, any information. Right. They just say, hey, click here, yep. log into your account, and look at this trusted information. So we're saying lawyers need to start acting that way too. These client portals are Absolutely. designed to do that. And if you think about it from a different, you know, I'm talking about it from an internet security perspective, but let's say you represent employees in employment law actions. Well, they all know, we've known for years, your employer owns the computers, which means if your client checks their Gmail account from the browser on that employer's computer and the employer has key logging software installed or screenshotting software or whatever, they own that data. I mean, right. you, you, you cannot have, you're, you're voiding, you're, well, you're le at least endangering the attorney-client privilege by, by sending your uh, emails to the client at the office. And a client portal just solves that problem. Okay, and I'm so glad you brought up Gmail because that's a whole problem in and of itself, right? Because now your client opened it up on Gmail and now Gmail is going to start serving them ads based on whatever you just wrote that is not a problem. in their It's email. not a problem. It's not. No. Tell me more. I mean, first of all... How about uh, lawyers using Gmail in the same totally conversation? Fine. Okay. Yeah, no, like, I think, I think one of the first things that a lawyer should do when starting a practice is get a Google Apps or Google for Business account. So we need to talk about the difference there. Because right. when I say Gmail, okay, right, I enough. was on the free Gmail, yep. which is not okay. Free email is not okay for a variety of reasons. Okay. Starting with, I can't believe you're using a so-and-so at gmail.com address to run your business instead of at yourbusiness.com. That's right. Okay. Um, so it's not okay for a variety of reasons. Google as an internet service, an internet business technology provider is a fantastic company to do business with and everybody should use them. Right. And I think this is going to be new to a lot of people. They don't yeah. realize that you can actually pay for business level services through yes. Google, which means you would get your domain name, they would help you host your email, and then other services that come along. So if you email me at sam at lawyerist.com, that's actually a Google for Business account. Right. But it's not sam at gmail.com. Right. And that's the big difference. So, all right. 
I've got my PC, I've got my phone, I've got my receptionist, I've got my printer, I don't have a fax machine, I've got a case management system in the cloud, I've got a business domain name and business services. What have I forgotten? Uh, copy of Microsoft Office. Absolutely. And we you, like you Office can, 365. You'll probably disagree with me on this, but you, well, you, never know. you can totally practice law using Google Docs. That's a can, oh, no. not a should. I'm no. I am with you. Okay. Office, office, office. Well, I think you. I I think to, if you want to, you can absolutely do Google Docs. But sure, I, you can. I think it is just. Um, well, I think it depends on the kind of practice you have. So, for example, when I was litigating, I was almost never sharing documents and collaborating with other people. So I didn't need Word because I didn't have to share that with anybody but the judge. And I used OpenOffice.org, mm-hmm. which generates documents for proposed orders that are just fine. So um, that worked out okay for me, and, and I never missed Microsoft Word. But when I started working with small businesses, I got Microsoft Office because that's what my clients were using, and that's how we need to collaborate. Although I was working with tech startups, so a fair amount of time we actually used Google Docs sure. because they didn't have copies of Microsoft Office. So it was a little bit 50-50. Um, but you know what? Um, I think it's a shame, but lawyers, lawyers use Office, and, and you should just have it. I have to say, honestly, I'm surprised that you are an Office proponent. I was really expecting you to say, oh, you can use any of the free, but, you know, you I... You can. I, you can. All right, you know, let's <laughs> but go back. Can, can let's and should are different can, words. <laughs> but it's better not to. Yes, absolutely. And I, and I know, because I walk into law firms every day, and let me tell you, clients aren't sending them Google spreadsheets and Google po- presentations. They're sending them Office products. So in that case, right. we should also mention then Office 365, which is, at this well, point in time... that's basically just how you buy Office yeah, now. and it's... A no-brainer. You're paying five to eight dollars a month to have those products that are available for you to put on five different machines, which can be a Mac, your iPad, your Android, yep. like on any device. Okay, so here's my question for you. Oh boy. My understanding of the licensing agreements is that I cannot buy the consumer versions of Office 365. Oh gosh, I don't know. And so I have to buy the the business versions of Office 365, which instead of using the um, what is the office's uh, um, document system? OneDrive. Oh, OneDrive. Oh, oh. Sorry. <laughs> uh, OneDrive, so, which is fine. It's like Dropbox. It's fairly user-friendly. It's not as good, but it's, it works great. Um, but if you buy the business versions, you actually get a SharePoint backend. And SharePoint may be great for enterprise, but it is terrible for solos. So, right. my, so my problem with saying that is I think you either have to pay for the consumer versions to get a better product for a solo or pay for the business versions and totally ignore the frustratingly complicated SharePoint stuff. Right. And I can't, I would never encourage a solo to even get into SharePoint. I barely encourage large firms to get into SharePoint. But the problem is Microsoft shovels it down your throat because yeah. the, they, they don't want you to buy the consumer versions. Mm-hmm. So you know, although I, I can't know, advise actually. you to violate the end user license agreement and right. get the consumer ones, I think that's what you ought to do. <laughs> okay, we won't say that, that, but that's what we just said. Yeah. All right, well, this has been great. I think we've got all of the basics down as far as just being able to run. So based on the little system we just built, we really have not come up with more than $3,500 in Probably costs. not, no. I, I have a very controversial post about starting a law practice yeah. for $3,000 because, I mean, the, the technical overhead expenses for starting a law practice are pretty low. They are. And what we just suggested also makes anybody pretty mobile. Yep. Gave some pretty secure options. Yep. Uh, 
efficient options, and I think we've done an okay job here, Sam. The, I think the only other thing I'd add, yes. now that I think about it, is okay. a copy of Acrobat Pro. Oh, right. Yep. Or Nuance. You can get Nuance Power PDF yes. Pro, or you, find, hey, you can actually can get say. two PDF Pro. Here's what we're going to say. A professional PDF editing software. And the things to look for, the features that you need are Bates numbering and That's redaction. Right. So that means you usually need the professional version. So yep. it would be Adobe Acrobat Pro, yeah. which costs, uh, I think it's what, three ninety nine right now. No, that's standard. No, it's two ninety. Anyway, I think you're right. I think it's like four hundred bucks. Okay. Or you could get the Fujitsu ScanSnap if they're still bundling. That's Acrobat. standard though, which won't do it, uh, which won't do oh, redaction right. and base. Here's what I would recommend doing: yes, is right. um, instead you of paying four hundred dollars for Acrobat, sign up for Adobe Creative Cloud. Right. Which is, I think, nineteen dollars a month. Well, for well, the first for, year. For the cloud, it's fifty dollars a month. But if you yep. just want Acrobat, it's nineteen dollars a month. Okay. And, and Acrobat gets updated about once a year, so the Creative Cloud version is better. Or if you want to pay 50 bucks a month, then you get Photoshop and Illustrator and lots of good software on top of it, which is kind of it's, has nothing to do with practicing law, but there's some pretty good software there. And that's interesting, too, because now we've got Acrobat going to this subscription-based model like Microsoft. Yep. And I think lawyers need to start getting used to paying for their software as a subscription-based service. You know what? And it's easy to get carried away. Sure. Um, it, at, at Lawyerist, we subscribe to a lot of things because we have, you know, we we pay our the search box on Lawyerist by the month. We have right. project management software. We have all kinds of stuff. So I think it's actually really worthwhile um, to make a list of all the your monthly subscriptions sure. and really assess. You know, have I just gone overboard and I'm paying for more than I need? Um, so make sure you keep, stay on top of that because it's really easy to get carried away. Another twenty dollars a month, it add, it all adds up. I think you're right because it's it's pretty easy to say. Oh, it's only six dollars a month for that. I'll pay it, right. and then you've done that four times or six times, and it, it adds up. Well, I'm very happy to have had you on here. You know that you're one of my favorite people, and I think this was really fun. <laughs> Likewise, um, tell everybody how they can stalk you on the internet. Lawyerist.com. That's lawyer with an ist at the end, not lawyers.com. Wow, do people get that wrong? People do get that wrong, and I don't know what they think when they go to lawyers.com, which has nothing to do with law practice and very little to do with what we do, but <laughs> it's lawyerist.com. Well, thanks a lot, Sam, for coming on. It's really been yeah, great. happy to. Have you again on next time? I Sometime hope so. soon? Yeah. We've got some more topics that I think I'd like to have you talk about. Very cool. So, thanks a lot. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. I'm Adriana Linares, and thank you for listening. Join us next time for another great episode. And remember, you're not alone. You're New Solo. Thanks for listening to New Solo with host Adriana Linares. Tune in again to learn more about how to successfully run your new practice. Solo, here on Legal Talk Network. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, 
to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.